Okay, first up, a man who joined us in 1987. He went on to make 169 appearances, scoring 90 goals before departing in the summer of 95. We're relegated in 96. Striker, Les Ferdinand. So you get a round of applause. If I'd have introduced you as director of football, it could have been different. So I went for, I went for striker. Okay, next up, he joined us in 1989 from Brentford and he made 190 appearances, scoring 25 goals during a four-year stay. Put your hands together for Wing Wizard, Andy Sinton. Okay, this man made 196 appearances, scoring 14 goals between 1990 and 1995. Left back and penalty king, Clive Wilson. <laughs> okay, and finally, a man who came through the youth system and broke goal scoring records along the way. A QPR fan who went on to live the dream, making 338 appearances, scoring 97 goals during two periods with the club. Put your hands together for Kevin Gallon. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> Sometimes. Okay, so what I've said to the guys earlier is I will ask a couple of questions, but... It's up to them where they take it. And like I said, the best stories are stories that I can't ask about that only they know about. And when I said that to them, there was a knowing grin. And then they said, well, you can't ask this and don't ask that. So uh, we'll, see, we'll see how we get on. Uh, firstly, Les, coming to you, um, do you prefer sitting in front of this lot as a, as a striker rather than as a director of football? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, my life has always been about football. And... Uh, you know, playing for, for QPR, making my, my debut and, you know, turning professional at QPR was, you know, a dream come true for me. Um, and playing with these guys, yeah, I like, I like the way you set the strikers up on this side. We're the providers, we made you. What did he say? The supplier? <laughs> the supply line? Suppliers, yeah. I, I, I've heard him say on many occasions, Clive, that he, he made loads of goals for me, so that, I'm, still try, I'm still trying to work out I'm still, uh, yeah, how can, many goals you made for me. Just off the top of my head, I can remember the one against Liverpool <laughs> yeah, and a few more. Firstly... <laughs> 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 What would you say if you were to look back on your period throughout the 90s with QPR, if you, were, you had to recall your best moment, your favourite moment, the moment for you, what one would jump straight into your head? Or is it that easy as a case of, well, there's a few that, that are right at the forefront? I just, you know, I, there's, there's nothing that's right at the forefront because I, I just, I played in a really good footballing team, um, you know, we punched above our weights. We, anyone that came to play against us knew they were, they, they were going to get a good game of football. You know, win, lose or draw, we were, we were going to give them a good game of football. And I always remember the one thing about the, 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 the QBR team is at the time, it was very difficult to find a player in the, in the, in the team that wasn't comfortable on the ball. 
Um, I think to a man, everybody was comfortable in the ball and, and wanted the ball and it just made, you know, made for an enjoyable time playing football. You know, it's, it's the camaraderie that we had in the squad um, just made it a joy to come to training every single day. And then the icing on the cake was playing in the game on the Saturday, the Monday, the Tuesday, whatever day you played, that was the icing on the cake for me. What about you, Kev? I mean, it must be even more difficult for you, having gone through the ranks and you're almost playing on one pitch, I'd imagine, and seeing your, your idols playing on another pitch and then suddenly you're over there playing with them. Is there a, a moment, if you were to be asked, your all-time favourite moment from 338 games? <laughs> well, for the 90s, I don't know, I suppose... Um, there was a few. My first season was, you know, a really a really good season. We we had uh, Jerry left, but then Ray t um, took over, and we sort of hit a good a good bit of form from I say maybe October to the end of the season, where we we pretty much were really competitive against the real top teams and beating them as well. My debut at Man United was a highlight. I don't know, there's, you know, there's so many scoring at Arsenal. You know, the on the New Year's Eve beating them three one. Another highlight. So all these are highlights. But what you were saying before about when I got to QPR and I'm in the youth team and you see these lads on the other pitch and all you're thinking about was I just want to be over there. I want to be over there all the time. And uh, the braver and the, uh, the braver the, I got, say my second year in the youth team, I used to sort of um, Ray. Ray would always start up a, a circle in the mornings, didn't he? And he put the cones out. And because I was out early, I would sort of just Sneaking. wander over there and then he would say, come and join, come and join. And then, we, you know, the fun we used to have in the circles was just unbelievable. Before the training, training would start at 11, was supposed to. Jerry would prob Jerry Francis would probably yeah, walk yeah, out about half 11. Yeah. 12. He'd have about 10 bacon sandwiches and five cups of tea. And we'd all be waiting, but we'd all be playing, as they say, it's called a ronda now, but it's a circle where two in the middle and... Basically, it was just the best laugh ever. I mean, Clive will tell you that Alan McDonald would just, the first thing he would do, and Dave Barsley, they they put the ball down and spin it, and then they'd lace it at you. And then it would spin off the ground, and it'd come towards your groin area. And if you couldn't do a first-time pass, they would just absolutely, hey, get in, big time to me, get in, and stuff like that. And everyone had a nickname. And so just for me, watching these lads made me train extra hard and also play even better for the youth team on a Saturday to get over there because that's where I wanted to be. Did you find it intimidating? I would imagine as a kid you find it intimidating anyway, suddenly getting that opportunity. But for you, there was that extra aspect of, the, you know, these are the, the guys that I idolised. When you were called over, did you feel under more pressure than ever to show what you could do? Well, yeah, I wasn't intimidated because the, the lads were all really top lads, nice lads, and they would encourage her, but the pressure was on because I'm scoring loads of goals in a youth team, now I've got to go and join mm. and play well and score goals in training or in the reserves to sort of say I'm just not doing it in a youth team. So the pressure was on like that. But as lads and blokes to go over, you know, they were they were brilliant. You weren't getting like everyone. Ray was obviously very encouraging to everyone, and these lads will say it as well how encouraging and he would he'd pull me to one side and say you know you've got to do this you're not running about a bit you make you only make your own luck by working hard and he'd pull me to one side and things like that and so would the other players so I wasn't intimidated as in like scared of the lads mm. because they were so nice but I wanted to prove myself that I could be in and stay in with that group and Clive I'm just sorry can I just put I'm just sitting there listening to that story and I'm thinking it's so great that you know 
you, you know, you come through our youth team and was able to play in our first team. I'm looking at it now and I'm, and I'm thinking, had he been in our youth team right now going through the system, we would, you would have never got to see him because someone would have nicked him by now. Yeah, yeah. Because of yeah. the way the system's set up and the way it works now, any of our players that we, we identify that we think can, can play for our first team, by the time they get to 14, 15, they're gone because they only got to pay compensation for them. Mm. So I'm listening to that story there and I'm thinking how great it is that someone can come for your youth team and, and, and play in your first team. But that can't happen nowadays because the big clubs come and take them before you can do anything about it. Yeah, that, thankfully for us, that, that wasn't the case. Yeah, exactly. You know, but, yeah, got to see the I mean, it's, diff it's diff different, obviously, now, but... I went to school down the road there and all I, you know, QPR mm. sport, I wanted to play for QPR. Mm. I did have offers, offers to go to Chelsea and Tottenham and Arsenal and... <laughs> not allowed to swear in there, Kev, not allowed to... Not not allowed allowed I, remember the, <laughs> I remember them ringing me up and I was like, no, no, yeah. QPR, QPR. Thanks for the offer, though, but I'm, no, I'm going to QPR. It's when, like, they used to just ring your house number and you like, all right, it's Eddie Nizeski. And I'm like, hello, yeah. Uh, do you fancy coming down to Chelsea? No, not really. No, I'm staying at QPR. Thanks, though. <laughs> when, I mean, you, you look at something like that happening, and you're obviously very young at, at that time, was it a case of, this, this, is, this is incredible, this is, like, a boy's dream. I'm playing for QPR, and I've got other top-flight yeah. clubs ringing me this is crazy Chelsea weren't top flight at the time mate I'm sorry I've got to say they were that's where I came from yeah. exactly it weren't top flight no. <laughs> <laughs> no, so uh, I was because I went to school and I used to like literally I went to uh, school carnival and just at the back of Holland Park and I used to get the bus and then I used to come down this obviously different now I used to come on a Monday night I used to do a little bit of homework, we'll pretend, in the offices, <laughs> and then we used to train on there on a, on, a, on a Monday night, and, you know, it was a dream come true for me. Mm. Unbelievable. I remember just that school things, my messing about at school, and one teacher said to, um, pulled three, three of us and went, you three, four, a disgrace, you're a disgrace, what are you going to do to one love? what are you going to do when you finish school? And he was quite leery and he went, well, you know, I'm going to do this, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to go to sixth form and, and he come to me and he went, what are you going to do? And my mate, yeah, don't worry about him, he's got a four-year contract down the Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> and the teacher went to me, is that true? And I went, yeah. And he went, oh, you're all right then. <laughs> Talking... Talking of um, feeder clubs, for come to you, Clive. <laughs> when, when, when you joined us, um, do you remember the, the sort of group that you were joining into? Because it, it, it seemed from the outside looking in, it was a, a very special group and there's incredible closeness between you all. When you first came in, can you remember that feeling when you first came in? Yeah. Um, to be honest, when I came here, I, the only person I knew was um, Roy Wegley, who has played with at Chelsea. Um, but... From the moment I came in, they made me, they made me feel so welcome, <laughs> even to the fact of, of I don't know, I'll tell the story again. Um, which, where were we? <laughs> we had, this is already we, Yeah, this, this, this is a story, <laughs> story I tell quite often. Uh, this is an initiation into QPR. Um, I came in from Chelsea, which I consider to be, the, for, forgive me when I say this, because I'm, I'm a Don't northerner. say it. For, uh, <laughs> forgive, forgive me when I say this, I'm move a northerner on. and I don't know on, the southern <laughs> rivalry. I consider Chelsea to be a bigger club than QPR. <laughs> forgive me, forgive me, right? So when I came, when I came in, here, for Wilson. When I came in, 
security. So when I came in, I'm thinking, okay, I'll uh, I'll show them what I'm about. Not football wise, mm. uh, with the clothes I'm wearing. So so I think I, I put on my best my best jumper, <laughs> nice jeans, <laughs> and I, I go out train. I go we're going training. So I put them on. I've hung them up, and we're going out training. So about two three minutes after I've, I've gone out training, I see somebody running around coming out in my jumper <laughs> <laughs> if you had to take a guess who that was have a guess who would you have thought would have put my jumper on and run around in it no try again no try again that idiot <laughs> I, that, that, that was my um, initiation into QPR. So from me thinking, oh, I'm better than, I'm bigger and better than everyone, they now brought me down to where they were. <laughs> and from that, that day on, I've got to say, it's the best place I've been. It's the best club I've played for. <laughs> so, sorry, so, so um, yeah, I was done thinking, the times I, when, when I came here, um, the, most, the best thing for me was the... Uh, family atmosphere that this, this uh, team, this club had. We came, it came in. There was no no prima donnas. Nobody's thinking that they were bigger than anybody else. Everybody's of the same level, and I guess that's the reason why we we got the success that we got. Because over the f four, five, five years I was here, we punched, as Les said before, we punched well above our weight. We were the top London club for at least three three of those years, um, and it was an enjoyable time to play football and enjoyable time to be to be at a, a football club. Since, how was that created, talking about there was, there was no prima donnas, there was no egos, how was that created? Was that created by the, the manager, by the club? Was it created by the, the people already in the dressing room? I think it more came from the dressing room. I think the guys would agree with that. You know, Jerry, Don Howe before, um, you know, forged this real togetherness, this great spirit that you know, used to win us points. Um, but I think it sort of came to, came to the fore under Jerry. Um, where we were very together. Kev has mentioned, you know, we used to get in really early for training and have a circle, um, what Kev's described. And, you know, that was, that was pre-training, but no one forced you to get in early. We just wanted to do it. And it was a, it was a laugh, but it was serious. And it, it, it tested you because you get Macca and Bards deliberately trying to stitch you up, didn't you? As you <laughs> say, spinning at you, firing at you, and you had to work your touch because you didn't want to be in the middle. Um, we used to socialise quite a bit together. There was a few golfers. We used to go out for meals. Uh, that Ray used to sort of orchestrate oh, nice. and uh, make sure everyone was okay. But it was a real, a real togetherness. As daft as it sounds, you know the the Terror Tuesdays with Jerry. <laughs> that brought you together because um, we used to do that together, and that was that was flipping on. It? it was horrible, but uh, <laughs> but quite nice in a sort of way because you knew on a Saturday it was probably going to help you in the last 10, 15 minutes of a game to get a point. Um, and from that, you know, you're dragging each other through, you're looking after each other. We used to look after each other in training. Certainly used to look out for each other on the pitch on a, on a Saturday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday. And that's probably why we had this great team spirit allied to that. You know, we had some fantastic players. I didn't realise at the time that 91, 92, 93 team was, was something special. You know, if you go through the team, uh, you know, with the goalkeepers, Tony Roberts was coming through, Jan Stachel. In my opinion, we had the best two fullbacks in the league with Dave Bardsley and Willow. How he didn't play for England, well, probably Stuart Pearce. That's why he didn't play no, for England. No, he, <laughs> he stopped me playing for England. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he ends up playing for England. 
at left back <laughs> when I should have played. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then we had, uh, you know, the great man, still loved, and we, 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 we remember him dearly, you know, uh, Alan McDonald, what a player, what a man. QPR, yeah. absolute <laughs> legend. Uh, middle of the park, you know, another fantastic, I think, a massive influence, certainly on my career. I think, of, all of I think if you say. speak to the guys, yeah. you know, uh, Ray Wilkins, what a player, what a man, what, a, what an influence. <laughs> then you had uh, this young man over to my right, you know, just starting to emerge and uh, arguably at that time was the best centre forward in the country, in my opinion. You know, up there with Shearer, up there with Wrighty, up there with Teddy. Up there with David Hurst, you know, he was, um, he was special. But going back to your, 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 your question was, we had a great togetherness, a great spirit. Family club, as Willow said, you know, where we used to love mixing with the fans. You used to know the tea lady, you used to know the people in the canteen, the cleaners. We were all together. And I think, uh, as a club, I think we're getting back to that. And um, as I say, long may that continue, but special times. I think as well, to add, uh, you know, uh, Willow said it, he said there was no superstars and I think the late great Ray Wilkins coming through the door and the teams that he'd played for and he come through as one of the humblest people I've ever come across in my yeah. life so if he wasn't acting like a superstar <laughs> there was no one else in the team that was going <laughs> to act like a superstar so it brought us all down to a level and you know there was there was no one better than anyone else in that changing rooms we were all in t together and I think that's what made that team so special. Ray had that ability didn't he? he just you know Ray wasn't a he wasn't really a shouter was he? No. But you know what? If you weren't doing it on a Saturday, I was going to say on the pitch, I heard him shout. Yeah, he used to be on at him the whole yeah. time, and I, I, I recognised at the time why he was on to him at the uh, the whole time. Like, come on, sort your touch out, get hold of the ball, you know, get on the end of those crosses, because he recognised he could be something special, you know. But he, Ray, sometimes didn't have to say anything to you. He'd just give you that sort of look, and you used to go, "Okay, Ray Wilton's is not very happy with me." So. Uh, <laughs> I always remember one game in, in he, we were playing and he, he was he weren't having the best of games to, 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 to say the least and he was kicking the ball out of play and he was thinking I was looking at him and he it was just he, he was he weren't tackling he was getting tackled he's getting caught on the ball and then he played the ball up to me and I, I went to control it and it rolled under my foot and I heard oh you you big get hold of the ball for us and I've gone like this. Who said that to me? Because like, I'm thinking, he's having the biggest mirror in the world and he's, 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 he's having a go at me. And he's turned around and he's gone, yeah, I'm talking to you. And I was like, all right. He's gone, the way I'm playing, we can't win the game, but you can effing win the game. Russell, you pull your finger out. And I went, okay, he does any reverber than that. You know? And that was the guy, he could be having the worst game in the world. But everybody else, he made everybody else around him have the best game in the world. You know what I mean? So that was the type of fella he was. And Macca was the same, he wasn't was he? Macca Mac Mac was Mac would sort of demand from you, wouldn't you, Willa? You yeah. played alongside him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kev will tell you when he came in um, <laughs> later in the time. Macca would... And I think it's something that's slightly going out of the game now where your teammates would half do the manager's job before you got in the tunnel at half-time. You'd go, oh, you know, you track your fullback to help him or double up with him. And, uh, and I think that, again, forged that unity, togetherness. And, uh, it, and it caused everybody else to do the same thing, yeah. you know, when, you know... I remember him shouting at me loads of times, like, are you going to pull your finger out and stuff like that if I'd missed a chance? Or, or I didn't do it on purpose. Well, well get, pull your finger out and make sure you put the next one in. And it was, never, it was never a case of people just having a go for having a go. They just wanted to get the best out of you all the time. And, and that just filtered throughout the whole team. Like, you know, we wanted the best of each other. So if he, was, if he crossed one behind the goal, any chance? 
plenty of those. Cheers, Willa. And Olikin. And for you, Kev, coming into the team, did Maka go easy on you because you were a younger guy coming in? No, 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 no. Like when you was talking about, was I frightened of? Being out on the pitch with the lads, no, that wasn't the problem. It was being in the changing room with the lads. <laughs> That's when you'd get the, you'd get the stick. Yeah, Macca yeah. wouldn't. Li- I think for four years he didn't leave me alone. <laughs> he just wouldn't leave me alone. You know, you're young. I'm 16, 17. Got might have a few spots. He'd just be coming around pressing them all the time. <laughs> ding dong, ding dong. Oi, pineapple face, come here. <laughs> Give it a rest, Macca. But as the lads know, it was relentless. <laughs> Every minute of the day, he was giving it to him. He was giving it to him. He was getting it. He was getting it back. He was giving it to him. He's giving it. He's just constantly. And he just. He was like. Sorry. He was like. He was like Teflon and nothing stuck on him. He didn't care. You could hammer him, and you don't think he cared, did he? The worst thing in the world. We wouldn't. I say we used to. We used to. They used to thing where the lads would come in and. Whoever was the worst dressed for the day, or if they came in and, it, and they had something on that you didn't quite like, you'd go out to training, you'd come back in and training, and it'd be hung up somewhere like in the middle of the, tra- in the, middle of the changing room. So you'd come in and you'd go, and whoever's it was, they didn't really want to go and get it down. Like, you know, like you'd see people go home without shirts on and stuff like that because they didn't want to go and get their shirt down. It got so bad for Ian Holloway that he used to come in and just hang his gear up himself. <laughs> like, you know, every day, just come in and put all his gear up. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Relentless. Well, Gabba, so, yeah. I, I can remember um, Andrew Impey coming in in a string vest, right? <laughs> and uh, I think this Macca ends up putting the footballs in them and carrying them, in the <laughs> them around with him. And, and Andrew, Andrew Impey, I think I think he wanted to save something, but he thought better of it because if he does, it only gets worse. So, <laughs> so he, he just left it. I remember another time. I think we were playing Tottenham. I think you guys had gone. We were playing Tottenham away, and Andrew B had the gold teeth. So <laughs> Macca's gone in to put studs in his boots, and there was like gold studs. <laughs> He's come out with a load of gold studs <laughs> in his mouth. And get imps. <laughs> the lads were just giving it bloody hell. It's absolute nonsense, but hilarious. You know what I mean? Hotels and that. You know when you went to hotels, oh. you know, coming down for dinner, it was like. Uh, Comedy hour. <laughs> Remember one time, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it was Dennis Bailey. Dennis come down, he said, I'm looking forward to my dinner. Macca had been down a few minutes earlier and had loosened the salt in the pepper pot. <laughs> so Dennis, when he went to put some pepper on his steak, the whole lot just got... <laughs> <laughs> I remember oh, yeah, I've, yeah, I've yeah. just got back in the team and the, every time like the woman like Frank Sibley on a Thursday would say uh, there's a, what do you want to dinner yeah. like curry pasta steak and whatever in the old days so um, the woman would come through the the door with someone's curry or steak and they'd go uh, curry and Macca would go yeah and she'd go straight over to him put the curry down I didn't order curry <laughs> well this went on ten times the whole time the whole uh, Every every away game, oh, probably yeah. for five years, six years, every time, <laughs> relentless. We used to go pre-season. We used to go pre-season, and we used to be flying, and someone would just be sort of nodding off, and he'd press the thing, <laughs> <laughs> so that the stewardess used to come down. <laughs> no, it wasn't me. <laughs> two minutes, two minutes later, or, or he'd do the childish thing that we were at the airport on a, a carousel. And your, your, your luggage would be going around, <coughs> and he'd take yours off. He'd <laughs> <laughs> put it down, and you'd be still waiting for the carousel to come out. Oh, mine hasn't come out yet. Mine hasn't come out. And everyone else is going, and yours is over there somewhere where he's put it. What was, um, 
<laughs> what was he like on the pitch? He was a winner, yeah. determined. You know, you knew what he was going to get from Mac. He was going to give you his all. He was going to demand the best out of you. And um, like I said, he was, he, he was a good captain. You know, mm. I played. I always said Mac was the funniest man I ever come across in football without him ever realising it. You know, <laughs> they're trying. Um, <laughs> but on the pitch, he, 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 he knew what he was going to get from week in, week out. Hard as nails, wasn't he? Mm. Yeah. I always loved Mac. Mac was never... Ever when he won a header, he never jumped for it. I always, he, he could read the flight of the ball from the goalkeeper's kick and he'd just get to the side of the, of the centre forward and give him a little nudge. And because he was so big and strong, then the centre forward couldn't. He'd plant his feet and he'd just head it. You never actually see Macca jump yeah. three foot in the air and head Tell it. You like, what, you could, like he could, he could play as well, couldn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, te- technically, was, <coughs> technically, was really good. Both feet could play from the back. But yeah. no, as Les says, and Kev said, what a, what a player, what a man. And what a leader. Was he a, a bit of a protector? Because also, it, in that day and age, the tackles would fly in and he would put those <coughs> tackles in. But when, particularly younger players like yourself, Kevil, like you since when you were on the receiving end, how important was it to have someone there who you felt had your back? <laughs> yeah, Macca was a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a minder for me, actually. Um, he certainly minded me one night coming off the pitch against Manchester United when I, I committed a horrendous tackle on Paul Parker. Good mate of mine, used to room with him. Would have been sent off now. Now, not proud of it. But uh, as I was walking off, Sir Alex was waiting for me. Veins popping out, bright red face. And uh, Macca went, just, just come with me, son. I'll, I'll get you up the tunnel. So uh, he took me up the tunnel away from, away from Sir Alex. But uh, now he, was, uh, he looked out for all the kids. He looked out for everyone. But as I said, he demanded from you. He knew how good he was. He knew how good we were and could be. And he wanted us to be. And every day he demanded, apart from the silliness and the childishness, which made him who he was, brilliant, brilliant centre-back, brilliant footballer. And looking back during that time, one, one of the big moments in your career, Clive, was uh, your QPR career certainly, was the, uh, the 1-0 win over Millwall in the FA Cup and the last-minute penalty. Um, looking back at that, what are your outstanding memories of it? Um, it, come, it comes in the last minute and normal time. And I remember it was, it was the fifth round, the FA it Cup. It came, came from a throw-in and the, uh, the referee blows and he, and for a split second, the game is like stopped and I, I just realised, oh shit, I've got to take <laughs> 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 and I said, okay. So as I'm walking up, I always remember um, Simon Barker saying, saying to me, I put it, I put it on the spot, he said, where are you going to put it, where are you going to put it? I said, I'm going to put it to the keeper's right, right? Um, so he stands this side of me, Simon Barker, thinking if, if I put it to the keeper's right, empowers it out, he'll get in and uh, knock in the rebound if there's one. So as I'm as I going up there, the keeper moves slightly to, to his right, so I put it to his left. So he's gone... Said he was going to put it right, so it's in the goals, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I was, um, I guess, to, to, to the crowd watching, it looked like I was, uh, I was calm, but I was absolutely... <laughs> like, but I think the, worst, the, the best thing for me was that I realised even if I'd missed, the, the best, we would have got a replay anyway. So that was, that was a saving grace if there was one. But fortunately, I put it away, so uh, it, didn't, it didn't turn out that way. Uh, Les, Kev, you both played in that game. What do you remember about it? 
No, a lot really, just the penalty at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's all it goes. The game was. The game was. I remember it did off in the stands. I remember it went in a bit. I was thinking, oh my god, if he scores now, they're gonna go mental. Which they did a little bit, but yeah, there was a pressure kick. I remember that. I think it was just a long throw, and then centre off just handballed yeah, it. Was like, what's he doing? But Clive, you did you ever miss a penalty for us? No, and you know what? Grimsby away. Grimsby away. Yeah, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. Uh, Grimsby that, away. Yeah, Never that, mind. Yeah, that's no. fine. That's fine. But it didn't count. It was in the shootout, so it didn't count, right? And uh, actually, I missed. I missed one at Grimsby away. I, he did, yeah. yeah. And. Southampton, I think. Miss one at Southampton. Um, but apart from that, the others went in, so I can't complain. Mm-hmm. No. So you're not the only one who's missed a few? <laughs> <laughs> no, not a few. One. Okay. How did, how did Clive end up with, on penalties and not one of you guys? Oh, I was too young to take over, but I don't know. Asshole. What, no. <laughs> what is it? No arsehole. Yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't know, it? <laughs> and he, he's such an arsehole that we let him take it. <laughs> but was there a time where you thought, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get this goal tally up no, and up and it, penalties? You know, he didn't have it. Roy Wegley had him. Roy Wegley had him. Roy Wegley had him. Yeah. And, one earlier in the season. And we season. agreed that... Um, He'd missed one. I said to him, "If he missed another one, I would, I would take them. I would take him after that, and the rest is history, I guess." I took. He missed, mm. the, he missed the next one, and I took it. I can't remember who it was against, but um, the thing about it is, as a striker, you usually look at the strikers wanting to take them. I know Les probably would have taken them because he doesn't have a penalty in all the goals that he scored, mm. which is hell of a feat. Mm. Um, but I, I decided Not I was going to take them. It doesn't have any. No. It doesn't have any penalties in. And if you look at Alan Shearer, look at Teddy Sheringham, look at Ian Wright, they've all got penalties in their in their yeah. um, in their so numbers. I left about thirty goals on the table then, didn't I? <laughs> maybe 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 twenty. Yeah. <laughs> what do you guys make of when you see a couple of players rowing about who's going to take the penalty when the penalty is awarded? I think it should be decided no, before should, the game. That should be decided. It should be decided before the game. But the only time you think that. Um, that would happen if someone's on a hat trick. You might the penalty taker yeah. might go okay. Then if you if you and you're winning, you, and you're winning as well, the penalty taker might go okay. Then I'll let you take this one. But other than that, I don't. It's usually sorted before the game. People know you know who's going to take the penalty. So if one comes on, that that nominated penalty taker should take it. Simple as that. I must talk about the 92-93 season, the first season in the Premier League. Um, QPR went from 11th to 12th to 11th, and then to fifth. <laughs> what was the difference that season? Can I answer that? Yeah. Yeah. Les. Is that ninety-two? Twenty. I think you got twenty. Twenty goal. Tw- twenty league goals that year. Four. He was. <clears throat> and I'm not saying it because he's sitting there. You know, speaking to Simon Barker last week, and we all recognised we were we were a very good side. He was the difference. I'm a believer. You're as good as what you've got up the top. Mm. He was. He used to get goals from nothing. He'd win us a game. Sometimes on his own, a couple of the goals he scored, you know, I used to cross balls, they weren't great crosses, he used to make them great crosses and score or get an effort on goal. So that's a very simplistic answer, but because um, the season before, I think we lost about 1 in 19 over a run with, um, with Jerry and finished the season quite strong. So we knew, or I thought, the 92-93 season we had a real real good chance because the season before I think we drew about 18 games mm, right, yeah. and it just needed someone to convert a few of those draws into wins and it would propel us up the table and uh, 
his goals did. Ally to the to the hell of a side from 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 back to front, but that was the difference, Moss. How much credit does Jerry Francis deserve for that that group? For that group, yeah, no, he's. Uh, I think the the most when when I talk about managers that I play for, and I, you know, I've, I've been fortunate to play some, for some really really good managers, um, some great managers, in fact. But I think the thing about Jerry was that. There wasn't one of us that when you went out on the pitch, and I would think I define good managers as this, when you go out on the pitch, there wasn't a player that didn't know what his job was, what his role was, what he was supposed to do for the team and how he was supposed to do it. So, you know, I always remember Jerry used to have, uh, back in the day, we got all this analysis now that, you know, you can rewind things and you see things straight away. Jerry used to go home with um, with two videos <laughs> and he would, he would record the game and he would he would record the bits that he wanted to show to us on a, on, a, on a Monday yeah. and so um, we all used to get into the <laughs> into the classroom on a Monday yeah. Yeah, yeah. no but before, before you got there you used to dread what he was going to ask yeah <laughs> the one thing you didn't want to do was you don't want to have your name called <laughs> <laughs> so and he'd get the ball he'd have a, a board with um, the team on it and he'd go so Les <laughs> and you thought oh no Les if the ball's here and the player's there, where should you be? And you'd get up and you go, well, I should be here. Okay, correct. <laughs> Andy, <laughs> if Les is there, and the ball's there, and the player's there, where should you be? And Andy'd go, I'd be there. Yeah. Okay, correct. And Willow, if them two are there, and the ball's there, and the ball's there, where would you be? And you go, well, I should be there. And he'd go, absolutely correct. Why the <laughs> 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 There you go. So you, you never ever wanted to have your name called like, yeah, yeah, but the, the, the one thing it did, I must admit, the one thing it did was if you was called on that on that Monday, <laughs> I guarantee you weren't called the Monday after yeah, that, because yeah, yeah. you would make sure that you <laughs> was where you were supposed to be. You know? and that's, and that I had a similar, one, that's I had a, a similar story on that with Les, I, my, one of my roles was on the back post, and as a player sometimes you get caught up in the Heat of the yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah, the heat of the moment. <laughs> so we're doing that on a Monday. Jerry says, what, you, what, what was your role Saturday? I said, on back post. Where were you? On the back post. And I was getting a bit agitated because I was convinced I was on the back post. <laughs> I knew I had been dragged in a little bit because they had a striker just in around the keeper. And I was a bit weary, so I got dragged in a little bit. She so says, where were you? I said, on the back post. He went, play. <laughs> <laughs> I was three yards off the back post, and that's where the ball went in. I went, <laughs> yeah, but that's what he used to do to you. Um, but again, like Les says, you didn't, you didn't want to. It made you look at your game, didn't it? Because yeah. you didn't want to be dug out on a accountable for, for, for your position. And to be fair, I mean, he, he showed us a lot of the, the good, good side yeah, that yeah. you know Willow on an overlap putting in a great cross. So it wasn't all the negative sort of stuff. But um, I, I think th he, I showed, th he showed that once, did he? That was the one goal he made. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kev, for you, how, how special was Jerry in your development? Well, I, Jerry, I was in the youth team and like I said before, I was sort of uh, desperate to get over there. And when you talk about territory, the only day I weren't desperate to get over was on that Tuesday <laughs> and he dragged me over there once. And I'll tell a quick story. We, we used to play our reserve games at Haraborough on a Monday evening yeah, yeah. and I think um, I was sub and I played and... My older brother, I think Steve was playing, and it was about 10 o'clock at night, and as you do with your kids, oh, what should we get to eat? Oh, go get Kentucky Fried Chicken or something. Little did I know, on the Tuesday morning, 
uh, there was a couple of men down and he went, Kevin. And I'm like, oh no, I've got to join him because the level of fitness from the youth team, the way they were running, it was just like, I mean, Bards was unbelievable, wasn't he? Yeah, at the box to box. I was like hoping, let, let me get in Alan McDonald's group. <laughs> 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 and Ray Wilkins, because you know, they were dreading it. And I just remember like up and down, up and down, box to box, halfway line, box to box, halfway line. And then uh, we finished. And then Des Ballpins, like, who's the youth team manager, Kev, Kev, you come over here and train now. I'm like, well, I'm literally on the floor and I'm getting sick and it's just KFC. <laughs> I'm giving it, if someone sees me now. And they dragged me over and I was just like, you know, in your days, you've been, your head would spin. It was so bad. Other than that story, Jerry, yeah, well, when I was growing up, <coughs> Jerry was, you know, that 1975-76 team and you'd hear my dad talk about it and he was the QPR legend and when he... Don Howe was, was the manager when I was a schoolboy. So when Jerry Francis turned up as as um, QPR manager, it's like, oh my God, this is like, when I'm a kid, I'm 16. This is unbelievable. Jerry Francis is back at QPR. So absolutely buzzing. But for two years, I saw with the youth team. But Jerry's dad used to come in. And um, unfortunately, Jerry's dad died, I think, was it two years ago? Yeah. I was sad. But Jerry's dad used to come. I was just telling Andy Sinton before, uh, before we come on stage. Jerry's dad, Roy, used to come in twice a week. And fair play to Des, he would say to me, Kev, you go with Roy, bring a goalkeeper, and just do finishing. So I was like, I'm, this is brilliant for me. All I'm doing is shooting practice <laughs> twice a week for two hours. It's the best training ever. Like All strikers, we don't want to do pattern of play, do we? We don't <laughs> want to get involved in set piece, defense in set pieces. Nah, I don't want to do that. Just do finishing. So that was a great development for me. But for just to get into... The, uh, the side when Jerry was manager, you know, to think, oh, does he like me? You know, you, as a kid, you're like, hey, does he like me? Uh, does he think I'm going to be good enough? Does he, it's, it's all playing on your mind. And he was quite, you know, strict sometimes. And I remember the first trip we went to, I, I got on the trip in, I think it was 1994, we went to Sweden. And Jerry was quite relaxed. He used to say, I think he used to say, probably said to you, lads, you can go out all you want, whatever you want to do, but... We're doing box to box in the morning, so it's up to you. Is that right? <laughs> that's what I can remember from that trip. I remember it was boiling, and we were playing like a eight aside, and I was on Jerry's team. So you don't want, yeah, he used to play, and he was still decent, <laughs> wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, it was good. And you know, if Jerry's team ain't winning, this was the end of the world. So he, he came up to me, we, our, our team, it was a goal and off. So it was three teams round robin. If your team conceded, you're off, the next team on. And we kept getting beat 1-0. So Jerry's all like, I'm new to the squad. Jerry comes up to me, are you all right, Kevin? Like, all nicely. And I'm like, yeah, great, Jerry. I'm having a great time. Well, run about then. It's <laughs> <laughs> like that. Oh, all right then. <laughs> he absolutely done me. I thought he was asking if I was enjoying myself. He absolutely crucified me. It was like, you know, one of them shots. Oh, bloody hell, better run about now. So things like that. He, 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 he done that a few times to me, to be honest. A bit of a kick up the arse. So uh, now look, just to play under Jerry Francis, being a QPR fan, and he's a QPR legend. Amazing. And for you, Clive, Jerry was really important for you, for you at QPR. You came in under Don Howe and you didn't play as much and then Jerry came in and you were a regular fixture in the side. Yeah, uh, under Don, I think I, I maybe played about 12, 15 games. Um, and I actually wasn't a, a regular when Jerry came because um, just at the end of the first season, end of, uh, the first season, 
Don had he went and bought uh, Rufus, Andy Tilson, and Darren Peacock. And Rufus, Rufus was the, the first choice left back. Um, and uh, we were playing in preseason. I, I think it's at Wickham. Um, and Ru I don't know if Rufus got injured, but I came on and played played against Wickham, and I played I played well. And Jerry put me in the team. I, I don't know, can't remember what the um, first game of the season was. He put me in the team from there, and the rest is history. I, I probably stayed in for the next three four years. Um, but in terms of uh, career career moves, Jerry Jerry was the best manager for me. Um, he, he he did things that made me start to think, oh. That's why we do this. That's why we do that. Previous to that, whatever, whenever a manager said to you, "Well, you're gonna, you're gonna do this," you'd think, "Oh, well, I do it because he said so." Mm. Now Jerry's saying, "Well, you're doing this because of this. You're doing this," and you now start to think about um, your positioning. You think about how you play. Think more about the game because previous to that, I'd only, I'd always played kind of off the cuff with a little bit of, little bit of coaching, and um, and that while that's that gets you so far, you've then got to understand where, as we've said before, Jerry would say, when the ball's in this position, this is where you need to be. If the, if the ball's going up for the, the, to the centre-backs, you need to be covering round and all them sort of things. And now, you're, now I'm thinking, well, all of those things kind of start to make sense now. And you think more about your game and you get yourselves in positions that you wouldn't have found yourself in before. So... For me, Jerry was easily the best tactician um, I'd come across because, and again, I say this, uh, Jerry would spot things, would see things that I, I guess previous managers didn't see. Most of the time, if we, if we came in at half-time and you weren't, weren't winning, most managers would say, that's because you're not running hard, that's not because you're not trying hard enough, you're not running around enough. Jerry would say, well, that might, yeah, maybe that might be the case, but you, we need to stop this, we need to stop this, and we can, then we can de develop from there. But... He, he certainly was a more of a tactician than any other manager I'd, I'd played on the previously. There was, uh, on a completely different subject now, we, we did um, uh, a similar event to this a couple of years ago, and the question was asked of incidents down the tunnel, because at Loftus Road, Khan Prince Foundation Stadium, the tunnel is very narrow. So if there's a heated first half or a heated end to a game, and you all go down... 22 wound up men down a very tight tunnel. Tell us more. There must be incidents down there where people are a bit disappointed and suddenly you're shoulder to shoulder with someone you've just had a row with and been pulled apart from. Wimbledon was always nice. Wimbledon with Vinny and Fash and Dennis and you know, Dennis Wise, that used to be, uh, that used to be quite interesting in there. They say some games are one in the tunnel, they used to try and Intimidating. Intimidating before you went out in the tunnel. You in know, in what way? We'd have Vinny at the front or Fash at the front and Dennis. Uh, and I used to, go and I used used to, to shout to one another, don't fancy it today, yeah, these. Look at these. Look at these flash, whatever, you know. And it was all just, and used to go, yeah, whatever. From them. And Mac, I used to say, just, go on, Vinny, I'll see you out there. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, but, Ian Wright was the same. He was like, right, right. I, I, I played with a couple of players like this. Righty, uh, Tim Sherwood, Paul Ince, played with a few players that they, they used to have to have an argument in the, in the tunnel to get themselves going. So you'd be down the tunnel and, and, and Righty would go, who are you effing looking at? <laughs> and turn around, because no one was looking at him. And he'd go, who are you effing looking at? And he'd go, so are you, Righty? To me like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
and he was all to get himself going. Like, you know what I mean? So, and he, he'd have a row with someone, he'd take onto the pitch, and he'd get, you wait till we get on the pitch. Are you sure what I'm going to do to you when we get on the pitch? And he's like that. But it was just to get himself going. And you go, if you was walking down the tunnel, you go, here he goes again. Like, there you go, having to go to someone else. Like, you know, but, but that was just, just the way it was. And our tunnel was so tight mm. that you was, you was soldiers to soldier with people, you know what I mean? And you just. Ending up sort of like going off a couple of times, and so so I've got, I, I got one. But this was after all these lads left. But it was still in the nineties when Vinnie Jones and Neil Ruddock came to QPR. That must have been nineteen ninety nine. Am I am I correct? My memory serves me. We were playing Man City away, and we needed you know the goal where Jamie Pollock scored that famous old goal, yeah. own goal. Well, before the game, we were in the tunnel at Man City, and Vinnie Jones. And I'm buying Vinnie Jones and Neil Wright. We're going out onto the pitch. And, you know, uh, those days at Main Road, they used to bring that thing out as well to cover oh, from yeah, the stand, the yeah, to cover the tunnel. Yeah, yeah. So King Cladsey's on the right-hand side. We're on the left. We're going towards QPR. So as we're going down, Vinnie Jones, back of King Cladsey's head, Oi, you. Oi, <laughs> you. I'm doing this. What's going on here? Don't start your today <laughs> bloody hell here we go so as we're going he's turned around and give it oh, yeah, 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 whatever then as we're going down Ruddock's banged into him and Ruddock at the time was about 16 17 stone <laughs> and flattened him up against the that that, that plastic tunnel bit so I'm like bloody hell so as we're going out the stewards got Vinny and Vinny's giving it get off get off all the usual <laughs> after a minute Guess who scored a top corner? Big Cladsey. <laughs> and he's running past Vinny doing this. <laughs> and I'm just doing this. We're getting relegated here. <laughs> so that was my best incident. <laughs> I don't recall any tunnel incidents. How, how important were those, um, like you, you're saying there, like Vinnie Jones or Alan McDonald, in those situations, if it's going off down a tunnel at half time, to sort of almost fight your corner as it were I, I just uh, in my time I well, can't you not just purists I, I, well, <laughs> I can't remember I don't recall any tunnel incidents um, certainly not at Loftus Road anyway no. very different to the 70s yeah. Phil Park said that Dave Clement used to go around headbutting people <laughs> 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 very different okay well if you we're talking about managers that, that work for you and Jerry Francis evidently worked for, for all four of you was there a manager that didn't get the best out of you, perhaps through no fault of their own or your own, just didn't light the fuse? I had my ups and downs with Don Howe. Likewise. Um, I thought Don was a, he's probably one of the best coaches I ever worked with, but Don didn't appreciate that I had an opinion. And um, <laughs> I was a young boy coming through the, 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 the ranks and um, he didn't often share my opinion. <laughs> um, so we uh, it probably cost me playing in the side under Don a lot more than I would have done if I'd have just shut up and, and, and mm. listened to what to what he had to say um, most of the time. But he would I always remember one one day we was we was uh, we, we used to train at Barclays Bank uh, training ground up at Hangar Lane there, and he called us all in and he went. Um, <laughs> he said, "I'll tell you what, if I put on a long distance running race, he said that fella there." who was Ray Wilkins, he goes, he'll be in the top three. He'll be in the top three, but you young boys, you'll be at the back because you don't try hard enough. So I put my hand up and I went, what do you want? <laughs> I went, what happens if you put a sprint on? <laughs> and he went, I can't accept that. I can't accept. You can teach yourself to be a good long distance runner. And I went, 
well, why can't he teach himself to be a good sprinter? <laughs> <laughs> you get my nerves. You get my nerves. You've always got something to say, and you know that was that was my problem with John. I, I thought he was a really good coach, but um, probably didn't get the best out of me. Um, I know he advised the club to to sell me to Millwall, and, and Richard Thompson, who was the, the the chairman at the time, said no. He didn't think it was the right idea, but because there was a clash of personalities between me and Donnie, he tried to um, tried to take Paul Goddard back here and send me uh, to Millwall. And uh, incredibly, it's already five to eight, which is unbelievable. So we're going to leave time for any questions that are from the floor. But just moving to that, you talk about nearly leaving at the start of your QPR career. Going to the, the flip side, and we'll go through all four of you. We'll, we'll start with you, Les. In terms of when you did leave QPR... Uh, initially and Jerry Francis very openly said that there was the threat of that which is why he effectively walked away from QPR and Ray came in what do you remember about that time <laughs> um well what I remember about it was uh Man United had come in at the time and uh and bid to take me uh, Richard Thompson came to me uh, and it was really funny because Ray Wilkins had called me and said he'd, he'd spoken to Alex Ferguson and Alex Ferguson had said, like, he wanted to know everything about my character because at the time I think the press were writing stories about I didn't want to leave London, I was a London boy and I didn't want to go up north and this, nowhere else, I wanted to stay in London. And um, Ray had called me, He'd, he was now at Crystal Palace and he said, um, he said, look, it, these were his words to me, he said, when the best team in the land comes calling, you've got to go. He said, I, I think the QBR supporters uh, love what you've done for them and I don't think they'll begrudge you going to Manchester United. So I said, OK. Um, he said, Man United are going to bid for you tomorrow. So the next day I spoke to Richard Thompson and I said to Richard Thompson, I understand that Man United have bid for me. And he said, yes, they have. Um, what are we going to do? Said, you tell me. So he says, well, I don't really want to lose you, but it's Manchester United. And I understand if you've got ambitions that's where you might want to go. So he said, let me speak to Jerry. So I spoke to Jerry and Jerry resigned. He said, if you're going to sell him, I'm going to resign. So um, Jerry left on the back of that. How, how did you feel at that time? Um, I, I, I didn't know that Jerry had gone to the, the chairman and said that if I leave, he was, he was going to resign. Um, so Richard, Jerry decided to resign and Richard Thompson came back and said to me, I can't lose, I can't lose my manager and my star centre forward in, in the same week. So... Um, I think Man United had tried in the past to, to sign and Richard Thompson had always said we can't do it during the season, it would have to be at the end of the season, come back and they, they never did come back at the end of the season. Uh, this time around Alex Ferguson said don't come back and say to me we can have him at the end of the season because we need him for the second part of the Champions League. So um, Jerry resigns and he, and he says look Les, I might, I might be able to do something that appeases the supporters here. So I said, I said, what's that? He said, I'm going to go and try and bring Ray Wilkins back as a manager. So um, he went and spoke to, to Ray Wilkins and Ray Wilkins agreed to come. He phoned me up, Richard Thompson. He said, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. So I said, well, tell me the good news. He said, the good news is that Ray Wilkins has agreed to come back. He said, I said, well, what's the bad news then? He said, he's only agreed to come back on the fact that we don't sell you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he, he, came, he came back through the door. <laughs> And, um, and, and he know, previously told you that you needed to leave yeah, to, go to, to go to Man United. So he came through the door and my first, my first meeting with Ray was I went in the office and I went, Razor. And he said, I've just, I've just taught you the most important lesson in your life. 
Should you look after number one first? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, there was, uh, there was uh, I think at the time when he came in, uh, I was still playing, still scoring goals, and, 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 and the press had got wind of this, and they were saying that I was miserable and I didn't want to be here anymore. And I think I always remember one of the, uh, uh, one of the headlines was Les Miserable, and I scored two at West Ham. And Ray Wilkins said to them, does he look like he's miserable? You know mm. what I mean? He's still scoring goals and stuff like that. And um, it, it, that was... Um, <laughs> That was how, come the end of the season, he said, look, I'll let you go at the end of the season. Um, he said, I think it is your time, time to go. Um, I'll let you go at the end of the season, but um, I'm sorry, I, I had to do this. And, and, that's, and that's how it happened. Uh, by the time you left, you were ready to leave? Yeah, I mean, I was disappointed Jerry, Jerry left. And um, I, I suppose I got to 28 years of age and I thought, what's the next step for me? What, you know, I need to, I need to go and improve myself. I need to, I need to get better. You know, I love my time here. I love playing with the guys, but could, could I make myself a better footballer was all I was, I was thinking about. And for you, Kev, obviously you left the club twice. Were they very different in terms of when you left the first time and when you yeah, left second? The first time was, it was well, Jerry was manager at the time and I wasn't, really, I wasn't playing. Uh, I was sort of down the pecking order. I was suffering from injuries. Um, just couldn't get fit, really. And... The lads would tell you if you ain't fit, you, you're never gonna mm. do anything. If you, you ain't gonna reach any, any, if you got potential, you're not gonna reach it. If you're not physically fit, I kept breaking down. Um, sort of, Jerry weren't picking me, and I thought, look, I, he, he said stay another year, and I said, Jerry, I can't. I got to go and play some football because if I don't, mm. I won't be playing football in about two years' time. I'll be out of the game. So, in that in that occasion, I sort of left because I had to leave. I had to leave for my career. Different to Les, to sort of rebuild my career, I sort of started well, got a bad injury, didn't get the right uh, rehab or treatment. In, in those days, it was, you know, just go in the gym and do your own thing. It, was, it, wasn't, it isn't what it is now where you, you get a physio who will just be working on you and working on your weaknesses and, and, you, you, and, and strengthening. And I didn't have that. No fault. That's just the way it was. So I, I left. And I sort of went to, and, I, and I, I went to Huddersfield for a year under Steve Bruce and played a lot of games, got myself fit again. I then went to Hudders, um, Barnsley and I, I, second game of the season, I, I ripped my hamstring, like proper, like, oh, this is a killer. And there was a physio up there. And to be fair to him, he sort of saved my career. He was really good. And he took me to one side and he sort of like a pet project for him. I said, look, I pulled my hamstring now 10, 12 times in five, six years. Every time, like, I can't sprint. So he, he pretty much gave me a program. I, I stuck to that for a good, well, for the rest of my career, really. And to be fair, when I come back to QPR, I actually played, like, 200 games on the spin. Like, and I only missed one game for a firing, like, a, a, a slight tweak. I would have maybe played 230 on the spin. And if you would have said that to me five years before yeah. that, it'd be, I couldn't even play five. So at that stage, it was the right thing to do. The second time in, well, that was in 2007. So we're not talking about that. This is about the 90s, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> when, you do, when you do stars of the two, 2000s, we'll I'll come back, back and tell you about that one. <laughs> Part two coming in 12 months. Um, yeah. And coming to you, Clive, what do you remember about that, that time when you moved on? Um, God, what was that? that was 95, right? Um, yeah. 
end yeah, that, of the that 94, was, 95 season. Yeah, that was uh, race, for, race, race first season yeah. back. Um, actually, yeah, we left at the same time. Not, it's not coincidence that we left at the same time. Cause <laughs> we were roommates <laughs> and we were talking about it all the time. Yeah, yeah we were roommates. Conspiring. I, I, honestly didn't know, un- I honestly didn't know he was leaving, right? <laughs> Um, unrelated, we got relegated unre- 12 months later. <laughs> <laughs> Very, nothing to do with me. There's a the man to blame, and you scoring all the goals. Can I, I, um, I, just, Clive, I just, obviously when Les left was a massive blow, but obviously because he scored so many goals, but you leaving was a massive blow, and Ray Wilkins coming to the end of your career was a massive blow. Like, three of our best players. Mm. Pete, you, you know, you, I'm giving you a bit of praise no, there, no, me up, but no one could so score I a penalty that season we only had one <laughs> <laughs> so at, at, at the time it was a I don't know if it still applies it was a little known rule that if you uh, spent five years at, at a club and you passed your 33rd birthday you were entitled to a free transfer <laughs> that was it that was part that wasn't part of my contract but that that's what happened and Jerry having left um, in the January I think and he then got the Tottenham job and he, he, then, he then phoned me, asking me, would I come? But at the same time, I had Man City. Man City had called me and said, would I come back? Would I, did I want to come back to Manchester? Um, the manager was Jimmy Frizzell. No, no, the manager wasn't Jimmy Frizzell. Alan Fra- Francis Lee, the, ma- the chairman, had phoned me and said to me, uh, would I come? And I said, at the time, they didn't have a manager. So I said to him, well, what happens if uh, the next manager doesn't like me? He said, well... Don't worry about that. I'm, I pick the team. <laughs> so so I, said, I said, well, thank, thanks, but I, I, can't re- I don't really want to come knowing that it's not the manager that's, that wants me, it's you. Right? So I didn't, end, I didn't end up going there. And Jerry, Jerry called me, and again, I'm going to say this. Uh, I was actually, not being a Northerner again, I'm not, not sure of the rivalry between... QPR and Spurs, if there is one. Um, Spurs, Spurs were probably the biggest club in name, right? That I was going to play for in my career. I was now 33. It was, it, it, re- yeah, it really, it really wasn't a um, an opportunity I could have turned down at that, at that stage of my career. So um, it, I just, I just had to take it. Um, it wasn't anything to do with QPR. As, as I said before, I thoroughly enjoyed four of my five years here. Um, so, yeah, so it wasn't nothing to do with the, the team or anything like that. It was just, it was just basically a career, a career move at, at that stage of my life. Okay, and since over to you, um, your final game for QPR was against Sheffield Wednesday. And uh, a few weeks later, you joined Sheffield Wednesday. I think we're, <laughs> I think we're running out of time, most, aren't we? <laughs> Time to move on. I'm just providing the facts. You, you <laughs> join the dots. So, tell okay. us about when you uh, spoke with Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> on well, the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Down that thin tunnel. <laughs> well, my move, you know, uh, I think it's well documented. Um, I wasn't too happy at the time because I think, you know, there was a lot of speculation about me uh, joining this club and that club, just like there was with Les. Um, you know, uh, I was on the England side at the time, playing for the top London club. Uh, just had a, a 10-month-old son, my first son. I'd just moved house from Camberley to Ascot in the April. Um, but I was away with the England sort of setup, and there was all sorts of rumours, and the players would talk, as, as, as you do. 
in what was evident, I was, I was at the top of my career. Um, but QPR, I felt, were taking liberties with me in terms of uh, my contract. Having said that, I still had two years to go. And being the type of character of QPR, um, had I said you got your two years, I would have just got my head down and got on with it. Spoke to Jerry. Jerry was absolutely brilliant because he had a great career, but he's, his career through his injuries and he, he recognised, and I think he probably said the, the same to, to Les at the time when he went, you know. Uh, so he was understandable, but... Um, that's how it came about, you know, at no time did the club QPR. Every day I used to, to read a paper and I was getting sold to Arsenal or Liverpool were interested or Sheffield Wednesday were interested. And these, these guys used to uh, take the mick out of me every day, you know, say, oh, where are you going? When you when you, when you going sort of thing. And it was really starting to bug me because at no time QPR didn't come and say, you know what, there's nothing in this or there is. And I started to find out a few things that were going on. Um, they were signing Trevor. Trevor went on to be a, a brilliant player, but at no time did uh, QPR said, "You know, we're trying to we're signing Trevor to to learn from you or to play alongside you." I took that as they were signing them to replace me. And if you look at QPR in the time, and I don't think we should apologise that. And that's probably a little bit of the model we've got now. When I joined the club in eighty nine, nineteen ninety, Dave Seaman was sold. Ninety one, Paul Parker was sold. Ninety two, Roy Wegley was sold. Ninety three, Andy Sinton was sold. Ninety five, Les Ferdinand was sold. Ninety seven, Trevor Sinclair was sold. That was the model we bought cheap and sold on. But I just got a little bit annoyed with QPR because I didn't think they were honest with you guys. Um, certainly weren't honest with me. So when it all came about. I moved under a cloud, came back on New Year's Day and got absolutely battered <laughs> by you guys. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely battered. Thank, thank, thanks very much. Uh, <laughs> you know, so much so. Uh, I knew, because it was in the days before social media and all that, I knew I was going to get some. But God, when I got there, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was horrible. And uh, you did your job that well that I got took off after about 55 minutes and couldn't wait to get off, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Sheffield wins the big cute yarn on the day, but I think I said in one forum before, you know, I lay in the bath afterwards and I felt a real, my team had just won. We had just beat QPR. Trevor Francis came and said, oh, well done, great win for, and I just felt really empty. It really, really affected me because I just thought, you know what, you've been told something that's not quite the, uh, the truth or, or whatever. After that, whenever I came back, I got a great reception um, or, a, or a good reception. It got better the more I came back with Wolves and teams like that, you know. But uh, So, yeah, that's how it came about. But, um, you know, i say it again. I was playing for the national team. I was playing for England. I didn't need to move. I was playing for England, top London club, playing alongside these guys, quality players. Knew all about this kid coming through. That was going to be the next thing since sliced bread. All I wanted to QPR was probably just to re reward me to the level where I felt I should be. And if they had said, look, we can't do that, I would have gone, okay, fine. But they didn't. And um, so that's a very long-winded answer to the question. But uh, certainly that day on New Year's Day, wow. So it, what he's uh, trying to say, he went for the money. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, Willow. <laughs> <laughs> the true first. <laughs> Le Les, what was the reception you got when you came back? I was I was kind of unsure to what to, to what I was going to get, um, because I mean the nature of football is you go back to the the, the, the club that you you played for and you get booed and I didn't, 
and, and I remember scoring in the game and the habit of mine was to celebrate and I did. I, you know, it just, you know, how, how people stop themselves from celebrating, I don't know. Um, I work all week to, to, to try and score goals at the weekend and when I do, the natural reaction is put, to put your hands in the air and that's what I did and then I thought, bloody hell, I'm at QBR. And, and, and the, the truth is, I remember when I scored, I scored up the loft end and I saw some hands go up in the loft end. <laughs> they went to celebrate as well, like, do you know what I mean? And they realised I, they realised I hadn't scored for them, I scored for, for, for Newcastle. And then, um, I always remember, uh, the end of the game came, uh, referee blew the whistle and, you know, luckily we won. I mean, on the day, you guys played fantastic and, um, we, we, but we man Newcastle managed to win the game 3-2. And um, I went round, just about to shake people's hands and then the whole stadium just started singing my name. And, um, I mean, I've got here standing on it now, just thinking about it. It was just, I just didn't expect it. And I got really emotional and I don't, I don't normally get emotional. Um, my mate over there, Pat's over there, and she, she knows I don't really get emotional. But on the day, I was like, I can't believe this. You know what I mean? And, I'm, and my, my feelings after the game, when I w went, down the, went down the tunnel, I mean, all the boys in the, in the, in the Newcastle um, change room afterwards went to me, I ain't never seen that before. Mm. I ain't never seen that before. Someone go back to their club, score against them, and then all the supporters still sing their name. And I was, I was, I, I was in the change room, standing in the showers, and I used to take ages in the showers, and I was standing in the showers, and did, I just um, did you? Uh, not for that reason. I, just, <laughs> I used to take ages in the shower. <laughs> I should say eight we're gonna, in the show. We're going to bring Gazza on in a second. <laughs> He's got a story to tell. <laughs> and, and, I, and, I, and there was a feeling of satisfaction that... That... that <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> Turn the mic off. I'll get, I'll get my coat, yeah? Um, there, was a feeling, there was just a feeling of satisfaction that I'd, I'd, I'd given to you guys everything that I had. Mm. Do you know? And, and, and that, that, that was appreciated. And so um, I Not was. Uh, I left with a, a totally different feeling to what Andy Sinner had. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you, Kev, when you came. <laughs> and Kev, for you, when, when you came back as well, what do you remember? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, I remember. I scored one nil. I just remember looking up at the at the crowd. Everyone's going down the down the sides and then I realised they're all going to the bookies to collect their money everyone put, put me down for 1-0 but um, yeah so probably everyone knows but I'll, I'll tell the story it's 1-1 and there's the last 10 minutes of the game and there's a penalty down the loft end. <laughs> so I was down to take the penalties I'm like oh here we go so i got to say Ludo McCloscoe made the most fantastic save. <laughs> <laughs> well I've never seen the loft go so happy in my life I'm like that the crowd, I'm, the crowd has erupted. <laughs> hey, I'm like, oh no, I've just missed a penalty. <laughs> and everyone's singing my name. <laughs> I didn't even sing Ludo's, he made a great save. It's all the Kevin Gallas, man. <laughs> all my teammates giving it. And you meant to miss that. I was like, what are you talking about? It's <laughs> a great save. I know it was, um, it was a strange moment for me because I th that's the only time I played against QPR. Uh, on the opposite team at Loftus Road. So, yeah, it was a very strange going. Like, when you walk down into the stadium and you turn right instead of turn left into the, into the um, changing rooms, it was just, just weird, just weird, weird situation. Um, like I say, strange, but I got a really good, after the game, 
I got a good, <laughs> got a good reception. <laughs> I don't know whether it's because I missed a penalty or just there, uh, but I got a really good reception. So, yeah, it was, it was a good, it was a good day. In the end, I scored, which was nice to score, and uh, and I missed a penalty for the Rangers. So, <laughs> <laughs> and just finally, you Willow. Um, yeah, I'll come back again. Yeah, it was a three-two win for Spurs at QPR. Um, I was the, my reception. The reception was good. Yeah, I remember coming back and it was good. But I do remember um, it tainted a little bit with with cries of Judas, which I kind of understand why people would say that. But me too. As I said, <laughs> but as I said before, it wasn't it wasn't anything to do with the team. It was it was to do with um, moving a career. Um, I think. I got out jumped at the back post by all people and the MP. I think, he's, <laughs> think I think he scores he scores the second goal. But then um fortunately I, I made the winner for Dick Jason Dezel, so we won we won three two and after that I got like like the others have said, I got a better reception going off rather than when I first started. But um yeah, it was it was it was nice coming back. Um and I think all three of all four of us, apart from Kevin, comes back and the other three have won. We've all won one back here. Not that that's a good thing, right? But uh, but it was it's still a decent, a good good reception when I came back. Great stuff. Okay, have we got any questions from the floor? We've got a couple of hands going up. We'll just wait for the mics to come round. So Matt's got the microphone there. So if you just wait for the mic to reach you, that'd be great. Hello, is it working? There we go. Yeah. It's a question for Kevin. Kevin. I was at the game, uh, Sheffield Wednesday away, when we got promoted back in, was it 2002? Four. Uh, when, when, when <laughs> the, when the, when 2004. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was the, when the, 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 I've got to save this, haven't I? <laughs> what are we going to talk about yeah, next year? Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, uh, well, the game was obviously to win and to get promoted. It was big pressure um, because Bristol City were winning as well and it was between us two to get promoted in second place. But, yeah, we had to run back into the change rooms and we were going, we was like, yeah, we're going mad. Yeah, we're promoted. And then and then the steward come in and goes, you allow back out on the pitch. The Sheffield Wednesday fans have left and the QPR fans. I think we just got everyone just pelted down there and just everyone was just going ballistic. And it was, yeah, I mean, other than, the, like I said about the games, my debut at Man United, if I would pick that and have a game, the other games in my second time at QPR, obviously that, that, that game at Hillsborough was just just mental and you know you said you celebrate I was chatting to a lad over there he said he was celebrating but we had about a two weeks celebration <laughs> everyone was just everyone was just yeah we had a great like the team spirit of these guys and I sort of came in a little bit later and, and I sort of joined in that uh, a bit that team spirit was uh, was good and the lads would tell you if you want to have a good team and you want to win matches you've got to have a good team spirit you, it's, without, without doubt. On and off, it, you know, we're at training and, and and stuff like that. You have to have a good team spirit, and those these guys like <laughs> like when we go back with Ray Wilkins, even Mackie Bards, Ian Holloway, Gary Penrose. How funny, funny was Gary Penrose and yeah, Ian Holloway? Yeah, 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 they were yeah. just hilarious, and then you had Imps and Trevor Sinclair, just great laugh, and it was just just top draw, and and that, that and the group of players in that 2004, it was very similar. Great stuff. And question down the front. 
Why did you all want to become famous and in the 90s was there much racism? Good question. Yeah, I'll take that one. I think, most, the, the, I think for me, um, I never wanted to be famous. I just, um, I, never, I never got into football uh, for fame or fortune. I got in fo into football because I loved it and I loved playing. And, and someone asked me the other day, why did you, why did you keep playing until you was 39? I said, just because I loved it. Um, had I not played for QBR, I'd have been like a lot of these guys here who, who, who probably played on the scrubs um, right up until whatever age. Um, the, only, the only thing I didn't do was put the, have to put the nets out myself. Otherwise, you know, before I joined QBR, that's what I was doing, you know, and I just played football because I loved it. Um, the follow-up question is whether Les experienced racism during that time. Yeah, pro when I was here as a player, yeah, I did. Um, not in a, not in a not in a way that um, other players had, had seen it from the from the terraces. But I used to get you know I used to get letters with swastikas on there and, and things like that, um, telling me go go back to where I'd come from, especially if I'd scored against the team. Um, there was lots of stuff like that, and like as as he's, he, <laughs> as he's as he touched on it, a lot of them was from Willow. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But you know that just used to spur me on to to, to want to play and score against the teams that I used to get that against. Okay, next question. Hi guys. Hi. Um, my question is: um, before VAR, how did the um, how did you feel about the um, referees making the decision? And bef and after you guys played football, how did you? How did you um, celebrate your wins after you um, after you after you won? So were there big celebrations after big victories? I used to uh, I used to live not far from Willow, so um, if we no, back in yeah, the day right. we, we never used to get trains, we never used to get planes, we used to get the coach. So yeah, wherever we went in the country, we always got back on the coach, and we always got back about nine nine o'clock, <laughs> yeah, yeah, depending yeah. on where we was. So we would slip into um, either Chiswick uh, or Wimbledon. On his own. <laughs> on on his would, own. He would tag along yeah. and then, he, yeah, and then his, his wife would call and say, Willow, where <laughs> yeah, are yeah. you? You're I know the coach, again. Get the coach got back a, a, an hour or two ago, where are you? So we, there was no, never really no big celebrations. I think there was um, groups of us that when we got back, we might go and have a drink in, 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 in Chiswick or in Wimbledon mm. or wherever. Um, that's how we used to celebrate. <laughs> As for uh, referees and VAR, yeah. let's forget that one, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, next question is, microphone, over at the back there, there's a couple over there. Hang on, we'll just wait for that microphone to reach you just so everyone in the room can hear it, although I think most can. There we go, Mike's behind you. <laughs> Oh Sorry, uh, uh, Goodison Park. Goodison Park. So success at Goodison. All the good success at Goodison Park in the night. Well, you know, I was nice grass. You know, you know, I was talking about the letters I used to get. <laughs> <laughs> I used to get, I used to get quite a few from Goodison Park. So every time I went there, um, it used to spur me on. And I remember, I remember when I went to when I went to to Newcastle. Um, Kevin Keegan said to me uh, one day. He said. You know, when I, when I used to come and watch you at QBR, when we used to, to, to watch you at QBR, at times you'd pick the ball up and you'd run with it and you'd beat a few and you'd, you might score a goal. We said, you don't do that anymore, why not? 
And I said, well, I just feel like when the ball comes into me, I've got a lot of options. So if I was to do that and lose the ball, and we was on, we was on our way to, to Goodenson Park, and he went to me, well, I want you to get back to doing that because that's part of your game I like. He said, but maybe not today because we, we never really win here. And I went, well, I never lose at Goodison Park. I said, if, if I only scored two goals in the season, it would be against Everton, home and away. Do you know what I mean? So, and, and it was really funny because um, the ball came into me on the halfway line. I turned, ran through and, and ended up scoring. I looked to the bench and we told you. And he was like that. And we ended up winning the game 3-1. So um, uh, Goodison was um, Everton, not just Goodison Park, but Everton was a team I enjoyed scoring against most. Hmm. Okay, any more questions? We've got a few hands up here. Oh yeah, it's a question for Frandy Sinton. So yeah, you mentioned earlier we gave you some uh, fierce abuse after <laughs> you leaving and returning back. I think the only player I recall we gave more abuse was probably David Seaman. <laughs> uh, many, many times, especially when we uh, beat Arsenal away New Year's <laughs> Eve 3-1. Um, I was just wondering, what actually drew you, drew you back to uh, Queen's Park Rangers uh, as ambassador of football? I mean, was it the same reason why you left? Clive mentioned about the money. <laughs> 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 there's, there's a theme there. <laughs> Certainly didn't come back for the money. <laughs> uh, what what drew me back? Um, you know, had a fantastic career. Um, played for some huge clubs, but this one was. I say it's my club. It's you know I've got a real affinity for it. I've got a real love for it. I can honestly, honestly say the four and a half years uh, I had a QPR were the, were the best of my career. You know, I had the privilege and pleasure of playing with some outstanding players, some really good managers. Played for you guys, you know. Uh, I remember playing certain games where that stadium up the road was full and it's, it's probably the best place to play for me when, the, when your team's going well, the atmosphere's rocking, you guys are right behind the team. So... Um, I did a couple of bits and bobs for the club and was very feel honoured to get asked to come back in the capacity that I've got uh, asked to come back in. I hope I'm uh, trying to make a, an impact and, and help the club move forward in certain areas, you know, and uh, it's a great club. We have a great history and um, it's been some great players. So uh, it's just, just great to be back. Okay, and next question. Hello, gents. When I was 12 in 1992, <laughs> uh, with my youth team, I come up and met you all in your dressing room. That, that's when I first started supporting you. And I look at you all four, and you are proper footballers, <laughs> as like legends. <laughs> <laughs> what you. went wrong with modern football? Is it the money thing, or why don't, why don't they have the dedication they do now to a certain club? Just sort of, do they go with the money, or what, what, what is it? What, what's, go, what's gone so wrong now with football? Why are they not proper footballers anymore? But, you know? All right, but, but has it gone wrong? Because I don't think um, the, lo the loyalty in the game is kind of slightly different today than it was in our time, but generally speaking, if somebody came in and offered you more money, you, gen you generally go, right? So it'd be like you working for British Telecom, and then, let's say, Virgin, Virgin you're, you're on... Hundred pound at, at British Telecom, Virgin offer you two hundred for doing the same job. You're not going to say no. So the, the loyalty isn't. I don't think that's changed much. What has changed is obviously the money, right? And I don't. And because of that, people f people feel that there's no loyalty because people will move around for money every every couple of years. So and that wasn't that wasn't the pattern 
during our time, people stayed for some people stay for the the whole of their careers, which will be, will be very rare today. So I don't think I don't think it's gone wrong. I just think loyal, loyalty has, is no different today than it was. It was back no different back then than it was today. It's just that the 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 clubs the transition the uh, clubs change more players because they've got more uh, bigger playing staffs today. So they end up changing players a lot more. We we would have worked on maybe a first team squad of about eighteen. Yeah. Now you now you look at the the back of the program and there's probably about 30, 40 names on the back. Not a, not all first team players, but that's the difference today. That the, the squads and the clubs are bigger. I think okay. I think accessibility as well. I think uh, you know I often think in ten years time, maybe twenty years time, will will you still be doing these forums? I think that the gap between the supporter and the, and, and and the player is widening. Um, money's got to do with it. Social media's got to do with it. Um, you know, back in the day, we if we had a bad game, um, we might read a fanzine that hammered us, or you know, back of the newspaper that didn't give us a good score or whatever. Now, straight away, players are getting hammered on on social media, and so that that in itself brings a distance. So it's um, there's you know, we we've evolved. Life's evolved, football's evolved, everything's evolved. And I think that's a major part of why you perhaps don't feel as connected to, I, I may be wrong, you may not feel as connected to the group of players that you're watching now as you were to the, the, the teams in the 70s, 80s and 90s. OK, next question. Yeah, uh, you all played with him. Um, touched on uh, the subject of uh, Alan McDonald nicking uh, studs out of uh, boots. Uh, who took the studs out of Darren Peacock's boots? <laughs> <laughs> because nine times out of ten, he was on his arse. Was that when he was tackling? Aston Villa, he went and chased the ball, right, and he just fell over. <laughs> and then Daly and Atkinson run it in. So, who nicked these studs? <laughs> I, think, I, think, I don't know it's, if it's well known, but he had he had one foot one one leg, one leg longer than the other. So he used to he used to wear a platform. A, yeah, so he's a, a nasty, and he's a, he used to wear a platform. <laughs> <laughs> and, it did, it and, and back in the day, you know, everyone used to have a different. You know, as he said, all the players had different names. They used to call him Stacks. Because he had, he had, um, he had a, a, a sh uh, one boot um, higher than the other, <laughs> so that might be the reason why he slipped over all the time. Because he was off balance. Because you know <laughs> maybe they made the hill a bit too high for him. Right. Who were your heroes? Well, mine. Heroes. Well, I, well, for me, it was. Um, Glenn Hoddle and Liam Brady. Taxi for Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Since who are your heroes? Growing up as a kid, you know, it was, uh, I, did, I did see our great side. And my dad used to, you know, we used to see the clips on Match of the Day with uh, Stan and Jerry and Dave Thomas, you know, wonderful players, Gilly. You know, what a side that was, wasn't it? That 75 side, what a side. But uh, moving on, when I was at school, you know, Brian Robson was uh, captain of England, captain courageous. Um, 
you know, I used to look at him and think, you know, I'd love to be like him. Uh, never got anywhere near being as good as him, but uh, he was a hero as I was growing up. But, uh, but you know, going back to QPR, you, you've, you've got your own heroes. You know, we've had some brilliant sides here. We're talking about one generation tonight. You know, you go back to the 60s. What a side that was. You know, with the Morgans and Rodney and Mark Lazarus, you know, the, the, the cup winning side. You know, brilliant. Then you go into the 70s. I've already said how good that side was. The 80s, when you get to the cup final and the plane at Wembley. The 90s, you know, the noughties. You know, I think sometimes we forget what great players and what great teams we've had here and what heroes that you have pulling on those blue and white hoops. Les Kev, uh, just quickly, the, your, two, um, your two heroes growing up? Uh, well, I, I started going QPR in the 80s, early 80s. So when I was Les. a kid, it was... Les. Les, yeah, <laughs> coming in at the end. But, like, Terry Fennick, Simon Stainrod, yeah. Gary Bannister. Mm -hmm. That sort of team of the 80s, 82, with Terry Venables as manager. Sometimes don't, I don't think it gets the credit. It does, because that was a great team. Got into Europe. Some real good players I used to love, like Simon Stainrod, Johnny Byrne, those players. And then um, Macca, then when... In the early 90s, these guys, Andy, Les, Clive. So, but when I was a kid, first watching QPR, I'd say Terry Fennick, Simon Stainrod, Bannister. I, I like Clive Allen, but then he went to Tottenham. <laughs> <laughs> so that, I was a bit gutted when I was a kid about that. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Clive. I'm not a Tottenham fan. Oh, okay. Which everyone seems to think. But those players, they were, and Terry Ven and like when Terry Venables, I mean, you think about top managers of QPR had. I don't think we'll ever see a QPR. Arm. No, and this is no disrespect to anyone, but I, I can't see it in the mo these in these times that a QPR manager the next stop is Barcelona. It's incredible. And Les, I suppose growing up, uh, uh, the late Laurie Cunningham, uh, Sir Regis, they were they were heroes to me because um, they were the first black players I saw play on a regular basis. But I'm going to surprise a lot of people here. One of the heroes for me was um, Thanks, Phil, Phil Parks. Phil Parks? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, know I, was, I was never allowed to go to football. Um, my, my, my parents wouldn't allow me to go. They thought it was a place where it wasn't safe for me to go. Uh, the, only, the only team I was ever allowed to go and watch was QPR. And the first time I ever came to watch QPR, stood in the loft and um, Phil Parks was in goal. And I was in so, such awe of Phil Parks on the day. You played Leicester, you beat Leicester. He saved the penalty and he didn't wear any gloves. I went back to school and for three years I was a goalkeeper at school. <laughs> so Phil Parks was a massive hero for me. You know what I mean? And it was only that I was at school, I was in, I was in goal at uh, what's called Phoenix now, where I went to Christopher Wren. Yeah, was, that's right, Mr. Rouse and all that. And um, uh, Do you remember Mr. Middleton as well? Big, tall, tall teacher. But anyway. I was in <laughs> so I was in I was in goal for three years, and I used to play five aside at the Harrow Club against uh, Dennis Wise and all that. We they used to play for a rugby club, and so in goal for three years, and then I got uh, I sent a forward got injured, and Dennis Wise, Bobby Dixon, and all the boys in the school team said, "Well, Les can play up front." Um, we got a reserve goalkeeper. We ain't got a reserve centre forward. So I played up front, and I ended up scoring a hat trick. Schoolmaster came to me and said. You're never playing goal for this school again. And that was it. Boom was the centre forward. <laughs> Great stuff. Okay, last couple of questions. 
Ah, cheers, lads. Um, yeah, mine was just about the 94-95 uh, after the quarterfinal at United. Um, we played three games the week after that because I'm a bit of a nerd. I know all the scores. <laughs> yeah. I think Clive scored against Leicester. I think Kev scored uh, Everton and maybe the Leicester game. And then the Tuesday after was uh, Chelsea. Kev scored again. Kev's one of my heroes as a kid. I was 10, 11 at the time. So 80 years old, the bloke scored three goals in what, six, seven days. Without the bad injury that he got at Portsmouth and how he just stepped into the team over them two years, even the relegation season, compared to the likes of Rashford and everyone now, everyone goes on about, he just sort of done it seamlessly. How good was he as a youngster, Kev? Um, well, we, we, we'd always seen his exploits in the, in, in the youth team. And, you know, sometimes you, you look at a player coming through, through the system and they get to the first team and you think they're going to take a bit of time to get used to this. Um, maybe a couple of games, but he he was a man when he came to you know yeah, just yeah. His, his physicality, the way he looked. You knew that he was going to come into the team and he wasn't going to have a problem. And you know I played with I played with Roy Wegley, I played with Bradley Allen, but Kevin had something about him as well as the goal scoring. You know he was great. The ball coming up to him, he could hold it off. I mean in in, in my in my final year, I think you know the amount of balls that went into Kevin, he sprang around and played me in. Um, yeah, exactly. You know. Um, I just knew that he wasn't uh, he wasn't going to have a problem, and he was going to adapt to first team football very quickly, and and probably that that hastened my my move because I thought the, I thought the club was in good hands, because I really thought he was going to go on and, and 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 have the career that we all expected because of the goals that he'd been scoring in the youth team. Um, so when I left, I didn't think I was leaving the club in trouble because Kevin was coming through, and maybe if I'd had one more year with Kev. He probably there wouldn't have been the pressure on him to score the goals that that he had to, and then and then he I'm not saying he wouldn't have got the injury because I think things happen for a reason in life, and we can never tell why they happen, but um, they happen. But um, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> but outside of that, you know, as you said, like the, the, the likes of Rashford and people like that. If Kevin had stayed away from the injuries, I'm I'm sure he would have gone on to much bigger and better things. Okay, go for it. Just a quick one for Les. It's a bit of fun because you're in a room full of friends. <laughs> Tell us the absolute truth about the Blue Peter Garden. <laughs> okay. I, I, I'm okay. Now, <laughs> I'm, right. no, now the truth. The truth. Now the truth, right? Yeah. The truth. Right, okay. So the truth of the Blue Peter Garden. I was at the BBC and um, I can't, it was a girl called Lisa Rogers and I'm trying to think of the, the, the other fella, the presenter's name. It's funny I remember the woman's name, but I can't remember. <laughs> Shock. Yeah. But anyway, we was, uh, I was, we, we was doing this stuff about football and they was asking questions and, and, and then the, 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 the male presenter went to me, Les, you went to school around here, didn't you? And I went, yeah. And he said, you was in the same class as Dennis Wise. I went, yeah. She said, you boys must have got up to mischief. And I went, well, we were teenage kids. All teenage boys got up to mischief. So he went, I didn't know anything about the Blue Peter Garden. So I went, Blue Peter Garden? So he went, yeah, the blue Peter Garden. So I said, no, mate, I don't know what you're talking about. So anyway, carried on, watched a few more football clips, sp spoke about them, and then he, and then he went on again. And, and, and this guy's a comedian, as well as a presenter, he's a comedian. And he went, um, so Les, let's, let's talk about the blue Peter Garden again. So I went, why are we talking about blue Peter Garden? I told you I don't know nothing about it. So he said to me, do you know where it is? And I went, yeah, because I used to I used to go through that park every day. I used to, I used to live in Labour Grove, so... I used to walk through the park, get the train at Shepherd's Bush and, uh, to, to Latimer Road. 
Um, and so I used to go through that park all the time. So um, I said, yeah, I know where the blue pit got. I've never seen it, but I know where it is. So he went, okay. So I carried on again. And then he asked the question again. And I went, look, all right, let me say something. I said, I might have helped someone over the wall, but I'm, a, I'm not at liberty to say who it is. <laughs> now, now, at the time of saying that, I used to go through the, uh, the park all the time. And if you go through that park over there, the wall that separates the ground from the BBC, if I had all five of you on my shoulders and Dennis Wise on top of that at the end, he still wouldn't be able to get over the wall. It's that, it's that height. But what I didn't realise is that everybody wouldn't know what the size of the wall was. So anyway, the, the show finished, everyone laughed and I went home and the next day I went to training and I came back from training and there was geezer outside my house. So as I got out of the car, I said, can I help you, mate? And I thought it was someone from the council or something saying your water's going to get turned no, off no, or whatever for five you minutes. You haven't paid your council tax. So he went, yeah, something like that, you know. <laughs> so um, gets out of the car and I said, can I help you? So he said, yeah, I'm, I'm blah, blah, blah from the Sun newspaper. And I said, okay, how can I help? So he said, um, you made a joke on TV last night about the Blue Peter Garden. Do you want to elaborate on a joke? So I said, well, if it was a joke, how do you elaborate on it? It was a joke. So he said, so you saying you didn't help anyone over the wall? I said, well, if you go and take a look at the wall and you imagine me standing at the bottom of the wall and Dennis Wise on my, on my shoulder, no way he's getting over that wall. I said, we'd need a ladder and a ladder on top of that for him to get over the wall. So the fellow went, okay, no problems. Thanks very much, Mr. Ferdinand. So I went in my house. Next day, I always remember we was, we was playing a <laughs> game. So I was driving down the road and we was meeting at a hotel for a pre-match. Pre driving around, uh, down the road and I went past this news agency and on the, the sign outside, she says, Percy Farrar goes to his grave never knowing who, who wrecked the Blue Peter Garden. Les Ferdinand <laughs> helped his mates over the wall. And this was on the, on the, like the billboard outside, I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so I, get, I get to the hotel and all the lads are going, you done the Blue Peter Garden. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. So anyway, um, Dennis Weiss called me and he went, Les, you fucking killed me. <laughs> <laughs> then, then it was a joke, mate, but like, I mean, they've, they've gone over the top with it. So that, that, that's the story. I thought like, um, uh, it was, it was a, the joke, one of the jokes that probably went, the, the worst joke I've ever told in, a, in my life because <laughs> it went horribly wrong because I always remember they was, that, that was the year they was, they was uh, knocking down the Twin Towers at Wembley and I got invited to the, I got invited to the ball. And um, I, went to, I went to the ball and I remember walking out of pitch and there was a kid with his mum and he went, Mum, Mum, that's the geezer that wrecked the Blue Peter Garden. <laughs> I went, he ain't saying, oh, that's Les Ferdinand the football. He's saying, that's the geezer that wrecked the Blue Peter Garden. So I was, I was no more for wrecking the Blue Peter Garden than I was for, for, for playing and scoring goals. But um, I never did do it. Or helped Dennis Weiss do it either. <laughs> Okay, we'll have two more questions then. If we just raise our hands, we we'll have two questions at the back. There's two guys in the middle there at the back. We'll take your two questions and then we will do the raffle. Hello, question for Les. Uh, you went to Besiktas uh, early on in your QPR career. It's a two-tier question, I guess. How character building and experience was that? Uh, you could go away. This is pre-social media, pre the scrutiny. What experience was that like? You banged in a few goals there, but for the young players coming through now, Ilias, Abire, uh, Bright, 
from that experience, what, what can you tell them now about how to deal with the pressures of modern football? Um, for me, that, that was going to Besiktas was the, the making of me as a, as, a, as a footballer, as a man. Um, I left uh, the council estate in West London as a boy, two suitcases, heading to Istanbul. The only thing I knew about Turkey at the time was the film Midnight Express, which... <laughs> which ain't the greatest advert for Turkey. But um, I went there and, I, and all I felt to myself was, what, what could be the worst case scenario? The worst case scenario is I go there, don't like the football and I come back and I don't play football for because they had my registration for a year. Um, but I saw it as, a, a, as an opportunity to go away and 100% concentrate on football and have no other distractions. Um, I may, I, when I turned, when I turned professional, uh, being a professional footballer, I still tried to live. I didn't want. I, I wanted people to believe that I'd still remain the same way. So I, I kind of like didn't really change my lifestyle that much, and I needed to. Um, and it was only going there and learning how to become a professional footballer um, was massive for me. You know, I had to cook for myself, I had to clean for myself, and those were the traits that my mum gave me. Um, God bless her soul. She she taught me. She she made sure I knew how to look after myself. So when I went there, it was about growing up as a, as, a, as a man and at the same time concentrating on football um, and that's what I did for a year and I was fortunate I had uh, Gordon Mill who's um, ex-Leicester Liverpool player um, and he was fantastic with me um, took me out you know he said to me look Jim Smith thinks that you've got all the ability to, to, to be a good player but he's not quite sure where, where that's going to be and he said if you listen to me you've got a year here Let's see where we go, and I and I did that, and it and like I said, it was the making of me. I came back with this renewed confidence. Although I didn't get into the side straight away, I came back with a renewed confidence that I could do this, and I could I could be a professional footballer. So I speak to you know our boys come in and speak to me all the time, and you know talk about some of the experiences that I've gone through, and you know if you want it enough and you work hard enough, you'll you'll, you'll get to where you want to go. Yeah, Great. And the final question there in the middle. Yeah. Um, just for Clive, uh, what was it like scoring the winning goal at Anfield? The first time I'd ever beaten Liverpool at that time. What was it like after the game? Do you remember who crossed it for you? Uh, <laughs> no, no, but I remember, I remember running in and he, it, this, this goes to Ray because he, he heads it and then I kick it in. Yeah, right? yeah, um, yeah crossed it. If, did you cross it? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's when you got, that's when got a reputation one touch Wilson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so so I, came off, I came off the bench that day and, not, and that was on Don's first season. Like another game where I wasn't, I wasn't playing. <laughs> so um, I think, I can't remember. I don't remember. All I remember is, yeah, you do. It is you. Thank yeah, I can remember it now. Yeah. Yeah. Is you going down the right? So he's he's gone down the right first. I think it, I, actually I went to I went I was going to run behind the goal to pick the ball up, right? Because <laughs> yeah. right? he cause he was crossing it, but but he managed to pull it back this time. And I think Ray Ray goes in and tries a diving header, and it ricochets off. I think it's um, Steve Nichol, and and all I do then is try and make a decent enough contact on it. I think it goes through Grubbala's legs, and I'm thinking. I've scored at Anfield. So I get in those days it wasn't a, a crazy a mad celebration where you slide on your knees and fall over and everything <laughs> like that. Um, I just thought, oh, we've won now, and that was it. Yeah. So yeah, great, great feeling because um, Liverpool was the team I supported growing up. So it was um, it was great to score against them. Actually, that was for my second time. I'd done. I'd, 
and managed to do it again I'd do it when we was at Man City. They absolutely murdered us for about 85 minutes. <laughs> and we, and we nicked, a goal, I nicked a goal at the end. We beat them 1-0 at main, at main Road. So it's nice to have scored against your boyhood team. So, yeah, very pleasing. Great, so we've got one final, final question in the middle. Hi, guys. Um, first of all, I just want to say thank you for tonight and thank you for all the years that you've done to, to make us so happy. Um, <laughs> and frustrated as well. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I just... Just as a complete aside, really, we, this is all about the 90s and what a fantastic time. You know, like lots of other people here, I've, my first game at QBR was in 1964, would you believe? Wow. Um, uh, I don't look old enough, I know, but, <laughs> but um, in terms of, I want to just sort of ask a question about the future, really. You guys have made QBR. Um, there's a few people in this room, including, and I, I hope you don't mind me mentioning, Lee Hu's over there who's uh, business-wise, I think has been a fantastic um, servant for this club already. Um, um, but in terms of our future on the pitch and off the pitch, can I ask you for your prediction of where we'll be in five years' time? You don't have to answer. What, what was that video that they had out before? Was it four-year plan? Four-year plan is a five-year plan. <laughs> no, listen. Obviously, um, as you touched on, you know, it's. I don't want to say it has been tough trying to turn the club around. Uh, you know, when I when I came through the door, we had. Uh, you know, we've spoken about it loads of times, and I really don't. It's, it's quite boring now. Um, we had loads of people that were earning money that didn't want to play for this football club. What we've tried to do is turn it around and give the football club some assets. Um, in doing that, we know that uh, times have changed and for us to move forward, at times we're going to have to sell some of those assets. Um, we don't want to, but if we do, that's only because we want to try and move the football club forward and that will be the only reason for doing it. You know, we, we understand where we are and how we need to get to where we want to get to is by, by doing what, what we're going to have to do. Um, we're, we're working extremely hard to try and turn it around. I know it's tough and it's frustrating. Don't worry, I go home every weekend sometimes frustrated, even when we win, because I want to see us back in the Premier League. I play for this club in the Premier League, and the one thing I want to do is see this club go back to the Premier League. Just going to, to you finally, uh, Andy. All the money raised tonight goes towards the Forever Hours. It's something that you've been at the forefront of um, since you came in as club ambassador a few years ago and you've made a, a tremendous difference um, bridging the gap, if you like, between the club and former players. Um, <laughs> your work is evidently greatly appreciated by everyone here tonight supporting the event. How important is the money raised tonight in terms of what, what the club does? Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, you know, the forever ours goes from strength to strength. Um, as we see, I think it's fair to say that over the last five or six years, the club as a whole have made massive strides. And it comes right from the owners, Lee, um, various people, 
lots of people work tirelessly to, to make it the success that it is. We've already spoke about, you know, we think we're a great club. We've got a very proud and super history. And all the players that we've had back have been part of that, you know, so uh, that, that should never be forgotten. Hopefully it never will. You know, we see the guys that are involved on a, on a, on a match day basis. We see what it means to the former players when they, when they come back. Uh, the welcome they get, uh, how they're looked after at the club, the reception you guys give them when they go out on the pitch. It's, uh, you know, we're living in a day and age where a lot of people in general are suffering with mental health, you know, and some of our former players are getting to a really old age. Some of them have got illnesses. Some of them are just struggling to come to terms with, you know, life after the career, you know, so... Um, so the support you guys give, and that's why this, the Forever Rs are such a success. Lots of people work hard to make it happen, but it's a success that it is because of you guys, the fans. Don't ever underestimate what you do, the support that you give our former players. You know, we've had some great players play their part in our history. Long may that continue. Thanks again so much for supporting events like this, but thanks every week when they come back. Can I, okay, can, I, can, I just, can I just add to that, please, Paul? And I just, just, just say, like, um, I want to thank each and every one of you for coming out tonight. Um, this football club has been an enormous part of my life. Um, and the times that I've enjoyed, I want to thank you guys as well for coming out and, and recalling some of my times at this football club because it is so special. And, um, you know, like yourself, I went on and played for a few different clubs, but the best time I ever had in football was here at QPR. And that was down to these guys and down to you guys as well that made it so special. So I just want to thank you for coming out and, and helping me to recall some of those moments. Great stuff. Thanks once again to you. Also, thanks uh, once again to Zoom Occasions, our sponsors. The bar is remaining open. And just finally, our thanks once more to Andy Sinton, Clive Wilson, Kevin Gallen and Les Ferdinand.